Hey, everybody. My name is Jim Jansen. Welcome to the EquipCast. I am your host, and we're doing a little different episode today. We're doing a tribute, shout out of sorts to the comedian Jeff Foxworthy, famous for his routine, You Might Be a Redneck If. Calvin Mueller and I sit down and do You Might Be a Missional Community If. We go through a whole list of categories. We talk about mass attendance and the making of disciples and parish leadership, just that standard, right? Jeff Rocks really always, always said he was just doing a service. Some people just didn't know if they were a redneck and he wanted them to know if they were. And so we offer this service. If you're just not quite sure if you're a missional community, this might help. Take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Calvin Mueller, welcome back to the EquipCast. How are you doing? It's so well, Jim. Thank you for having me. It is always a gift to spend this time with you to record together. So very grateful. Yeah. Calvin, we're going to have a lot of fun today. We've been kind of dreaming and, and thinking about this episode for a while. Uh, this is not your first time on the EquipCast, but tell everybody, like, tell everybody something new about your faith journey. That's a great question. But I, I mean, before I share that, I know you and I plan on having a lot of fun together, but that does not mean that everybody else will have a lot of fun. We've been in a lot of situations where we're having a riot together, and a lot of fun, <laughs> but that doesn't always translate to everybody true. else having fun. So yeah, we look out, there's like, Hey, there's blank stairs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is that the fun that we're about to have together? We'll be able to translate to everybody else that listens. Um, something new about my faith journey. Well, I, I think, uh, something I maybe haven't shared on this podcast before is the gift that it was to that our Lord allowed for my conversion to just coincide alongside uh, my now wife's conversion. Mm -hmm. So beautifully, neither of us were, were practicing the faith in a serious way throughout our college years. And the Lord put some incredible individuals in our lives who took a risk and decided to take interest in us and mm -hmm. through their accompaniment and patience and courage uh, both me and my now wife, Shelby, you know, have come to experience the Lord in a beautiful way and a transformative way. And um, we're just incredibly grateful for those individuals and grateful for the Lord's providence of, of allowing it to happen, you know, at similar times. Yeah, there was a lot of persistence. I mean, I'm thinking Darren comes to mind, right? I mean, he was crazy persistent pursuing you, wasn't he? Yeah, there was some incredible men, you know, Chris and Darren and Drew and Chris was kind of the the initial individual who just drew me in with curiosity to why are these people choosing to live this way, live differently than uh, what the rest of the culture was presenting me. And then his introduction to so many great men who lived uh, radical lives of faith, but um, were still perceived as normal. Yeah. You know, yeah. Changed everything. And and those men were certainly persist persistent because they, they had experienced something great. And, and like my wife, our my now wife was then able to be introduced to women who were who were choosing to do the same. Yeah, I I mean I appreciate that line that like people who who felt or seemed kind of normal like that was exactly my story too. Where like my heart was I think before I began to come back to my faith, my heart was desiring it, but I had this kind of mistaken notion that it meant kind of cutting off my intellect 
and accepting kind of a, uh, whatever, a, a social isolation. And I remember, God bless, I'll give him the shout out, you know, still a good friend, Dean Joe Wirtz down at Benedictine College. Joe was on the rugby team and uh, Elizabeth Sri at the time was a, one of the head cheerleaders. And I remember they had gotten involved in their faith. And I looked at them and I'm like, well, that's really confusing. You're a cool guy. Like, you're a pretty girl. Like, you could get a date. Like, why are you into your faith? And it was just, they, God bless them. They, they helped to break my stereotype and give me permission to follow really where my heart was going anyway. Right. Well, no, I think it's it's certainly one of the ways that Satan has a foothold, um, you know, in this world is is manipulating yourself, myself, individuals into thinking that, you know, a life with Christ is is only for a reserved few, a reserved few who who sometimes their radical conversions over to Christ, you know, is perceived as awkwardness. And yeah. Um, and so so Satan will manipulate that and prevent us from being the individuals that are receptive to our Lord's love, but also the communities that, that could then become yeah. missional because it seems like a, a foreign duty to um, the normal person, yeah. which in all actuality, it's a, it's an adventure and a call and a life that is, yeah, that is available to absolutely everyone. Yeah. Okay. The, Calvin, that's a perfect transition for us because- Nailed it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I mean, part of, I think what dispels the stereotype was for me is just finding people that were fun and joyful and were willing to engage in a little humor. And that's what we're going to try and do today. Nobody else can see you, but I know that you're actually wearing camo right now. So we're we're gonna, we're going to give a little shout out here to the uh, comedian Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, his routine, Google it if you've not seen it before. But the you might be a redneck if right. So for, again, for those who are not familiar with it, he has this great routine. He says, if your home is mobile but your car is not, and if both of them are up on blocks, you might be a redneck. Well, we're going to take, just I'll pause, right, for everybody to kind of laugh. Okay, so we're going to take that and we're going to see if we can translate it to what it means to be a missional community. And like, like full disclosure warning, if this hits a little too close to home, if you're like, oh, this feels like me or doesn't feel like me, that's okay. We're here to help. We'll reiterate that in the net at the end here. But we want to talk about being the type of community, right, an outward group of disciples under the care of a pastor sent by Jesus to make disciples. Like that's what a missional community is. And we want to give people some indicators here so that they can know if that's them or not. So here we go. Let's just talk uh, in the realm of parish leadership here. So if people stop referring to their tenure on pastoral council as having done their time, and start asking to revoke the term limits, you might be a missional community. Or if you feel the need to just make up jobs to keep all the generous volunteers that are overwhelming you busy, you might be a missional community. Oh, or, just wait, Jim. I, I've heard you already share all of these things. So I can laugh after every one that you said. Yes, you but can. I, okay. But if I don't <laughs> need to, that's fine as well. Uh, but I've already heard these and uh, I would just agree with what you're saying. Internal. That, yeah. Internal conversations. We're like, this is how we entertain ourselves. Right. Right. Keep going okay, though. This is Okay. Good. Okay. So I got, I got one more here. If you catch people leaving mass early, just to be the first to sign up to work the ring toss of the festival, you might be a missional community. 
Yeah, I love it. I, I think everything that you just alluded to there, Jim, you know, people seeing it as their as their duty, as their job, as their, you know, an opportunity to serve and glorify the Lord, you know, instead of rushing or feeling burdened by the things that are in front of them, you might find yourself as a, mesh, a missional community. So here, here's another one. I would just say, you know, if your parish council spends more time arguing about catering options than listening to God in prayer, you might not be a missional community. Oh, so a little switch on there. Okay. Oh, you might not be yeah. a missional community. You know, if a, a, a parish council is going to offer the pastor, uh, you know, the supernatural gift of counsel in his leadership, which you would think you would think that would be kind of the goal. That, that would be the hope. You know, they the hope would be that they would be spending time in prayer, listening to the Lord and discerning how it is that he's calling them to lead their parish. You know, quick story. I, when I first moved back to Nebraska, I remember running into an individual who was a part of the parish council. He brought up, you know, oh man, there's this real difficulty that's taking place at the parish. And so I just asked the question. I was like, man, that's really hard. Have you prayed about that? And he's like, no, why? I was like, well, <laughs> that might be something <laughs> that you should first take to prayer before making this monumental decision as a part of the parish. And so I just asked him, I was like, if you're praying about that, do you think anybody else in your council is praying about that? And he's like, well, if I'm being honest, probably not. And I was like, well, then you might not be a missional community. Yeah. And it's something that we need to change. Yeah. I mean, so often, right, our experience is, because again, many, many of our parishes are experiencing the strain of you know, disengagement. And it feels like it's always the same people doing everything. And now it only feels that way because it is, because it is the same people. That, and actually it's the same number of, well, actually it's a shrinking number, shrinking number of people trying to do the same things. And that is not the way a missional community feels, right? In a missional community, the spirit always seems to be drawing in new people with new gifts and the challenge of pastoring isn't so much, I love, shout out to Father Scott Hastings, pastoring doesn't so much feel like trying to cover a, a queen-size bed with a tw twin-size blanket. It actually feels like guiding people with gifts and blessings, guiding them to the right spot, connecting them to the other people who share their passion, the needs. Like It's just a, a totally different experience of pastoring and leadership. Amen. And I would say what's fun to think about, Jim, as you know, leadership is wrestling with what does it mean to be a missional community? I think we as a church have the gift of during the Easter season, every year we read through the Acts of the Apostles. Yes. And if you look at the Acts of the Apostles, it's essentially, you know, the different leadership who is in position of the church at that time wrestling, what does it mean to be a missional community? And you could read that and go, well, if you're not going to jail, if you haven't been to jail in the last month, you might not be a missional community. Yeah. Or right? been stoned. <laughs> or yeah. If you haven't been stoned, if you have not received the gifts of the Holy Spirit or felt your church tremble because prayer is taking place there, you might not be a missional community. And I think the gift of being able to wrestle with the apostles, what does it mean you know, to be a missional community, yeah. to follow and serve our Lord in a radical way? And when you have leadership who are diving into that together as the ex apostles witness to witness that to us, you yeah. might be a missional community that's trending in the right direction. Yeah. There's a reason why the church has us meditate on this first experience of mission right at our founding, 
every Easter. Yeah, that's our that's our meditation all through the Acts of the Apostles. I love it. Okay, so as leadership is, you know, wrestling with what does it mean to be a missional community? And if we are or not doing these things, I think you could look at your parish and say, is there fruit? Are there disciples? And so I have a, I have a few for you here, Jim, okay. in that might not be category. So if your parish has one small group that has been together for 20 years and read through every single Matthew Kelly book that he has ever written, but have never added a single member, you might not be a missional community. Oh, that's a good one. So if your parish bookkeeper, let's say records five conversions that have taken place in the last month, but all of them are just the conversions from a cash gift to an electronic, you might not be a missional community. (laughs) That's correct. I was like, wait, there's conversions. Oh, wait. No, not, not conversions. Cash cash to EFT. Exactly. Right. That's hilarious. If the challenge to invite your friends to a big retreat confuses people and they say, Father, both of my friends are both already there, you might not be a missional community. I think the the lives and the friendships um, of our parishioners are the best uh, are the worst part as far as being the ambassadors for our community. And so if our experience of small groups or conversions or invitation is, is isolated, is a a huddle group is a, is not the experience of being invitational, taking risks, meeting new people. um, You might not be a missional community. Yeah. Calvin, that one hits close to home for me because I mean, there were, there were times, you know, learning, uh, doing college ministry where we'd have this retreat, right. And we're like, okay, everybody, bring your friends to the retreat. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then God bless those few honest students. They're like, Hey, how come you didn't like invite some guys to come with you to this retreat? And they're like, well, cause they wouldn't like it. Like it's really nerdy. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, yikes. And like, God bless their honesty. But like, you know, if, if people aren't finding something that is changing their lives, that's a place of joy and peace and hope, well beyond, I mean, there's a place for duty, but well beyond duty and obligation. If they're not finding that, they're not going to invite people. Mm-hmm. And they probably shouldn't, if we're honest. Mm-hmm. No, I just had the experience, Jim, of being a part of a retreat. And uh, one of the individuals prior to the retreat, you know, I just said, hey, have you had a chance to you know, invite anybody that you think would enjoy this? And his response was, well, all the guys that I know should be here, you know, have something going on that weekend. I was like, well, who should be here? And they're like, well, this guy and this guy, because they love church. And I was like, well, this maybe isn't the target audience then, you know, is, uh, are we just targeting people who love church, you know? And that's my easy invitation. (laughs) That's a shrinking target audience. Well, you know, then this, you know, you might not be a missional community or have embraced a missional mindset. Yeah. I would say that you always have people who are maybe enthusiastic about an event or something that's taking place in a parish. But if we lose sight of actually making invitations to individuals and souls Mm -hmm. who need to know our Lord in an impactful way, then that we've lost sight of the mission that the Christ has called us to. Yeah. Okay. So I got one, same, same thing here, uh, right on making disciples. If all the new people at mass actually belong to the Catholic parish next door, you might not be a missional community. I love, I love that one. I worked hard on that one, by the way, but but like like real evangelization and outreach is about making disciples of individuals who don't already know the Lord. Poaching parishioners from another parish is just rearranging and reshuffling Christians. 
Now, I, I mean, as a side note, and this might ruffle some people's feathers, I think it's fine for people to choose to go to a parish where they find life and community. But let's just be clear, that's not evangelization in the proper term. I mean, if you're, if you're filling up your pews from other parishes nearby because they're struggling to create community and momentum, I think it's fine for people to be there. I don't think you kick them out, but evangelization is about making disciples of people who don't already know the Lord. Amen. I think we can follow, uh, fall into the category of just, you know, recruitment through osmosis or, you know, discipleship through osmosis where our target audience is just the people who happen to be right next to us who have had this experience. And so that's the easiest invitation. And instead of having a strategy and a conviction that Christ has put souls around us, that he's intentionally inviting us, he's inviting us to intentionally engage, to bring into the fold. Yeah. Okay, so let's stay on the mass attendance theme here, but here's a, here's a disclaimer, right? In a missional community, you really judge your fruitfulness, not so much in your seating capacity, but on your sending capacity, right? It's not about how many people you can get there. It's about how many people you can send out to go get other people. But nevertheless, it would be kind of fun to talk about mass attendance. So, okay, here we go. If the fire marshal keeps a close eye on you because you keep crowding more and more people into your pews, you might be a missional community. I've seen it, Jim. Yeah, as a side note, yeah, this is actually, we were there at the same time. We actually were part of a parish where like literally they were, one of the biggest, the pastor's biggest fear was that the fire marshal was going to come because I mean, they kept regularly exceeding their seating capacity by a lot. And of course, you know, being Catholic, we had flames and candles and you know, all sorts of real, like real fire hazards. And they had to rebuild the church two times bigger to accommodate it. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool because they actually got out in the neighborhood and uh, made the difference. So, okay, here's another one. If you start seeing the same people from the fish fry at confession and mass, you might be a missional community. <laughs> I was hanging out, I was hanging out with some people that like. Uh, they were trying to describe like what the difference would be if their parish started to like embrace the mission of the church. And they said, man, what we need is we need fish fry energy for evangelization. Cause man, everybody comes out for the fish fries and we get the signs and we, you know, we fire up the grease pits, the fryers, whatever. Anyway. And like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, if only we had that same passion for saving souls. Oh, I was just out of state gym and talking with an individual and they said, oh, Omaha Archdiocese, you guys have incredible fish fries. And I was like, thank you for <laughs> yes, noticing. we do. That's hopefully, yeah, that's what we're, that's what we're, we're hoping St. Peter's going to say when we get up there. We're like, they're like, oh, you're from Omaha. Have you been to the Holy Name Fish Fry? Man, it is incredible. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I love fish fries. But if you have people from out of state saying, no, Omaha, you people love Jesus, you know, as their first reaction, yeah, instead a, of, do you love your fish fries? You might be a missional community. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Two more mass attendance. If you keep running out of name tags, right. Which is right. Name tag Sunday where everybody kind of like puts on the name tags mm -hmm. to uh, help people feel like they're a part and foster introductions. If you keep running out of name tags because of all the new people showing up, you might be a missional community. And if your school families start to show up without there being a homework assignment, you might be a missional community. 
Boom. Boom. Drop the mic. No, actually yeah. not. It's expensive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Calvin. So we think about kids, school families, parents. Let's talk just a little bit about vocations. What kind of indicators might vocations provide for whether or not we're a missional community? I think you could highlight a lot of different areas, Jim, where vocations could be a fruit of a missional community. You know, looking at growing families, new marriages, we could highlight, you know, priest vocations. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, you know, if the last time your parish sent a man to the seminary was when Scott Frost was on the field and not on the sideline, you might not be a missional community. Oh, ouch. Isn't it hard to believe? I, I still think <laughs> of like 30 years ago. As like the seventies, but actually that like Nebraska hasn't won a national championship since 30 years. Anyway, sorry. We're one season away. Oh, we're one yeah, season we're away. We're almost there. Almost there. Which I think is sometimes the default of, uh, you know, some of our communities when we say, you know, when it comes to vocations or priestly vocations, somebody else is going to take care of it. Or, you know, just in a couple of years, maybe we will. But when it yeah. comes to actually right now, feeling this call for vocations and answering the call to to pray and, and act upon vocations, we might be falling short there. Yeah. So if all of the members of our vocations committees have made multiple invitations for somebody to consider the priesthood and they were all to the same 10-year-old, you might not be a missional community. Ooh, yeah. Kind of hard for a 10 year old boy to like go into the seminary. I think there's like a, you, you actually have to like, you have to be able to drive right. And shave. I think there's a couple of like prerequisites, there. but he's so nice. And we all saw him praying that one time. And yeah. so, yeah. And he's kind of flocked by, by the old ladies. Like, have you ever considered <laughs> that was my story. And there were anyway. Okay. Here's one. If your parish is starting to feel more like a band of brothers, right? If you know the the, the uh, military special, it's like what Easy Company from Amen. World War II. Yep. If your parish is starting to feel more like a band of brothers and less like a sorority, you might be a missional community. I I love this one. I worked on in this one too. <laughs> like they're totally unashamed. There are a couple things in this one. First, like I mean, let's be honest. The ratio of men to women really should be split pretty evenly in a missional community because that's kind of the way the population works. I think biologically where, you know, you can like skew it uh, like forced abortions in China and other places, but generally speaking, I think it should be about 50, 50. That's not typically our experience, but it's a really good sign when you're starting to see more men around. And if you want to see more men around, you got to have a mission, right? Band of brothers were a band of brothers because they were united despite their diversity because they had a common mission. Sororities, at least the stereotypes, God bless, I have a lot of you know friends that were in sororities. So we're talking about stereotypes here. Stereotype, like at a stereotypical level, sorority girls are united because they all look alike and they all behave the same way. But if we want people to feel like they're a part of our community, well, actually, if we want people to become a part of our community, they actually have to feel some sense of belonging before they start believing. And, and it's backwards if we say you can only be a part of us if you behave in this way. We actually want to get people kind of like the, the Apostle Thomas, where even when he was stubbornly and obnoxiously not believing, I'm not, you know, I, until I stick my fingers in his, in his wounds, it was because he had a group of friends that still made him feel like he belonged, even though he decidedly did not believe until we can get there. Man, we're just a country club or sorority, and that's not Christianity. 
I mean, yeah, an analogy I've been using a lot, Jim, is if our church feels more like a cruise ship instead of a battleship, you know, we might not be a middle community, right? Or if it starts to feel more like a battleship that's on mission yeah. together instead of a cruise ship, we might actually be a missional community. But most of our parishes and our experiences and experience of men and women is to, you know, navigate the comforts of a cruise ship. You know, mm-hmm. what is uh, my experience of ex- being entertained? What are the activities for, and the for activities today? available to us instead yeah. of? you know, a band of brothers, people coming together and saying, what is the mission? Yeah. We're here to rescue somebody. Right. Yeah. You know, I love the conversation about vocations. I think even at a technical level, part of the standard for whether or not a diocese is a missionary diocese or not, is if, are you able to produce enough vocations that you can sustain yourselves and begin to send missionaries to other places? Like that's always the goal. How cool would it be if our communities of faith were sending out the best of our young people as priests and religious to others, but even beyond that, like what if, what if like the types of marriages we had, what if the way people live their baptismal vows, that's kind of like the real root or the real solution to the vocations crisis. It's like uh, priests don't just like materialize out of nowhere. They come from people who are baptized and from communities, domestic churches, right? Domestic communities where the vocation of marriage is flourishing. Man, if those things were flourishing, that would be amazing. Amazing is right. And I would say, so as John, St. John Paul II says, he says, it's impossible to live and grow in the faith without the support of a group. And so when it comes to vocations, yeah. having clarity as we're growing in discipleship as a parish, you know, having great leadership, if we don't recognize, mm-hmm. you know, I have a role in, in being a part of a group, you know, that can build up the life of faith for the people around us, then, yeah. then we're going to miss the boat. And so I would say, here's, here's a couple of them, Jim, you know, if Sunday morning, our parking lot fills up fast, but empties out slow, we might be a missional community. Amen. So a body of believers who comes together to worship together and are actually connected and want to linger and talk to each other. Yeah. We like, might be like we're community. friends or something <laughs> crazy. Right. Yeah. So here's another one. I just said, you know, if the only people that know your name um, at your parish came in the same car with you, you might not be a missional community. <laughs> Ouch. And I would say uh, that's so many people's experiences. Oftentimes they're a small town. Of course, we know this person's name and this person's name because they've, you know, their cousins are relatives or we've just always seen them there. Yeah. But in our bigger parishes and in our smaller parishes, even if we know their last Mm -hmm. name, it doesn't mean that we know them. Right. just telling a friend, you know, my first couple of months of moving back to Nebraska, joining a new parish within the first couple of months, I'm pretty sure nobody knew my name. And the first person that came up, introduced themselves, asked who I was. I remember being so giddy about it uh, and telling my wife when I got to car, I was like, whoa, that guy actually came up, asked me who I was because they had never met me before. It turns out that he just wanted to sell me insurance, which was fine. We need a new <laughs> insurance, but oh <laughs> at gosh. least he got my name. Wow. But it was just so, it was, I guess, just foreign to this community. And I think yeah, to so many of our communities to actually engage people um, and, and get to know them in a way that is hospitable. Yeah, that's huge. Oh, I, I love that. I, I've had a similar experience. And uh, we're, we're pretty far on the extroversion scale. And I found it really challenging you know, to make new friends because 
I can't catch people that fast before they get out and go to the parking lot. And it's, I feel like I, it's like, okay, I get one shot and somebody, if they're within my line of sight, I'm going to go introduce myself to them. But man, I wish, I wish there was a lingering, right? I wish yeah. the parking lot emptied out a little slower. Yeah. And I would just say in this day and age, you know, it might seem impossible to grow mass attendance or to engage new people, or, or is there a need for hospitality? Cause we already know everybody here, uh, you know, as the, the demographic shift in our, in our counties and in our po- population mm-hmm. and, and, and we see these shifts, we're, we're in a target rich environment. Yeah. You know, most of the counties in Nebraska don't have a growing population or have a growing population of unaffiliated individuals, you know, who are not, you know, participating in the life of faith. And so we have a target rich environment, you know, so in a missional community, if you're constantly having to introduce yourself, or if you find yourself having to continue to introduce yourself, you might be a part of a missional community because there's always new people in this target rich environment who are being invited into experiencing something anew. Well, I love that. And that goes to like the poaching conversation earlier, right? That like, you know, we don't want to be poaching from the parish next door. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are plenty of people, even if you're in a rural county where the population is shrinking, there are plenty of people that are unaffiliated, you know, and unaffiliated doesn't mean atheist or I hate God. I mean, and we should pursue them as well. Unaffiliated means I just haven't decided yet. I could actually just use an invitation. So I love that. Okay. So let's just talk a little bit about money. I love the, uh, I love the conversions cash to EFT. So, okay. On the uh, generosity question here, right? Mm -hmm. If your parish spends more money on styrofoam cups and bad coffee than it does on the works of mercy, you might not be a missional community. Um, if you hear a monthly talk about giving to support the parish financially, but never hear about the fruits of the mission, eh, you might not be a missional community. Yeah. Or if your parish's big goal is more about improving the athletic facilities and not about improving impact in the community or the neighborhood, eh, you, you might not be a missional community. Oh, uh, amen, Jim. I think uh, this topic of finances and schools, or not to schools, but finances and how they impact our parishes and our schools. And and if we find ourselves fixating on things that are not of this world, right? In the pursuit of souls, which are in front of us, we fail to live as the missional community that Christ has called us. Yeah. I love the, as when we talked about, you know, this characteristic of a missional community, that is right? A culture of generosity. It's about yes, financial stewardship, but it's not about like a self-referential financial stewardship. You know, that our finances are just about providing what, you know, keeping the lights on and, and fixing the, the leaky roof. It's actually about financial stewardship for the sake of the neighborhood. Well, two things. It's also about works of mercy. So that we're actually impacting the communities that we're a part of, but Financial stewardship is kind of essential for us. I mean, especially those who are pastors, calling people to give of themselves, but particularly financial, financially is huge because if we have like just an ounce of historical perspective, no matter where you're at financially, and especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably part of the richest generation in human history. 
And the word of God is pretty clear that the love of money is dangerous to our souls. And it's easy to fall in love with stuff and money. And so a clear call to generosity is kind of essential to being a missional community. Yeah, clear call to generosity and then having a, a group of individuals or a growing group of individuals who recognize that everything that we have is a gift from God. And so all of our resources and finances as individuals are a gift to our Lord. And then having leadership who is incredible stewards of those resources and gifts and chooses mm-hmm. to invest in the eternal, not in the things of this world, yeah. in the pursuit of, of souls yeah. and sets us up to be able to do that well. Well, it's also, I mean, you know, Jesus has this famous line, you know, it's like, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And of course, there's a very personal application to that, but I think it also applies at a community level. When we make our first priority, the building of the kingdom, the extension of the kingdom that's been entrusted to us, is Jesus really going to like, oh man, I love what you're doing to save souls, but sorry, the electric bill just isn't paid. I mean, he's, mm. you know, I think the Lord is going to take care of those financially who are prioritizing his mission. Amen. But when we feel like we're constantly behind and, and just barely able to make payments, that could be a sign that we actually haven't put the proclamation of the gospel and the furthering of the kingdom in first place. Oh, amen to that, Jim. So I'll just say, as we, as we kind of close this out, I just had a cool experience of listening to a podcast where Jeff Fax was not in comedic mode, but just you know speaking as a normal human being uh, about his experience of faith and coming to be this you know pretty legendary comedian you yeah. know for our generation and the generations. Well, he's he's kind of older, so more your generation than my generation. That yeah, was a thank, joke, just thanks, a joke, Jim. Thanks for that, but but, <laughs> but this, not but not untrue. Yeah. So this iconic comedian, where he just said. You know, he never intended on being a comedian. He was working at IBM and somebody invited him to go to this comedy show and write a set. And so he submitted his name. He ended up winning the thing and he felt this conviction that, oh my gosh, I have this really stable job, but this is the thing that brings me life and brings me joy. And I think I need to go all in. So he quit this really lucrative job to then start this comedy career. And I share that just because at the heart of you know, his experience and the heart of our experience as disciples is this call to take risk. So as we, you know, point mm. out this, you might be a missional community or you might not be a missional community. If anything struck anyone at the heart of that is the individual call to receive from our Lord and take a risk, yeah. you know, at the heart of a missional community is individuals who are prompted by the Lord to risk their reputation, their livelihoods, their comfort in order that our Lord might be glorified. And in taking that risk, scripture tells us, our church teaches us, there's tremendous joy and there's tremendous fulfillment. And there is a evil one at work convincing us that those risks aren't worth it. And so I would say, if you are surrounded by individuals Mm -hmm. who are actively taking risks in our Lord's name, you might be a part of a missional community. Yeah, amen. That's awesome. I had not heard that story. That's fantastic. And I, I appreciate that, Calvin. Like if, if this hit a little close to home for you folks, don't worry. You're, you're, you're not alone. We're here to help. We would love to help you. And let's just be honest. There's no, the entire church is rediscovering her missionary identity. So there is no shame 
in not yet fully being a missional community. The real shame is pretending that we are and being unwilling to try. There is ample grace and creativity and power in the spirit for those who are willing to uh, to let him. So let's keep this conversation going. If you guys want to try out your comedic repertoire, uh, keep this going. We want to hear your own. So if you have a, you might be a missional community if, or if you have a, you might not be a missional community if, check out the blog, equip.archomaha.org. You can go there and there'll be a comment box. Add in your own. Keep the conversation going. We'd love to hear your own. This is these are Calvin and I's uh, attempts at humor and a tribute to uh, Mr. Foxworthy here. So we'd love to hear yours. Again, equip.archomaha.org. Calvin, thank you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jim. It's fun being on mission with you and grateful for the risks that uh, I've seen you take and the risks that the Lord is inviting me and so many in Archdiocese to take. It's a gift. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.